listening to Coast to Coast Latino. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to Coast to Coast Latino. My name is Adrian Perez. I am your host for this weekly program designed to inform you and keep you up to date on what Latinos are doing across the nation. We're brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. We're also brought to you by U-Haul. For your moving and storage needs, contact U-Haul. And our other sponsor is OIC Tax Services. OIC provides extreme support and professional services when dealing with the IRS. If you find yourself in trouble with the IRS, contact OIC Tax Services at OIC.com. A lot of things have been happening on the uh, political scene, but a very interesting survey came out today conducted by Gallup Poll that tells us that 62% of American voters would be interested in uh, having a choice between the Republican and Democratic parties. In other words, they're interested in a third party. And that would be very interesting, primarily because what it would do, it would really, really push the older and current existing parties, the Republicans and Democrats, to start paying attention to what voters really want. And as many of you know, this past Saturday, during uh, the uh, Trump impeachment hearing, the Senate voted to acquit him. There were 44 senators who voted to acquit the president from inciting a riot as if they weren't involved in this thing. It's, it's truly amazing. But the majority of American voters had said, we want this guy found guilty. And instead, the Republican Party turned around and said, we're going to acquit him. Now, not all Republicans are, are uh, re-Trumplicans. In other words, they're not all supporting the, the Trump uh, former administration, but they're still afraid of the amount of power that this guy is wielding, and as a result, they voted for him. He has about 31 senators that are diehard supporters. No matter what he would do, say, even today, uh, they will always support him. But there's another number that, uh, along with Mitch McConnell, who's the uh, Senate Minority Leader, who really feel that that uh, this particular hearing was not legal, that it was unconstitutional. And the reason they feel that is because it was not being uh, overseen by a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, but by rather an appointed individual by the, um, by the Congress. And so they felt that, uh, you know, this made the hearing illegal. And as a result, they voted to acquit 
Trump. But then they turned around, McConnell did anyway, turns around and says, and by the way, there's no doubt about it, this guy incited a riot, but we don't think the hearing was legal. As a result, guess what? He feels invigorated because he feels that uh, he is the voice of the Republican Party, and they're going to have to deal with Donald Trump in 2022, which, quite frankly, the uh, individuals who are planning to run for office in 2022 have already identified themselves. Many of them are already conducting fundraisers, and uh, they're on the campaign trail to try to unseat those uh, Congress members as well as Senate members who were strong supporters of Donald Trump. There is a strong belief among many of the Senate Republicans who are strong Trump supporters. There's a strong belief that they will uh, gain the uh, House and the Senate again in 2022. However, reality dictates that as long as President uh, uh, Joe Biden continues his current efforts to repair the economy, to repair the health of the United States, which is something that Donald Trump failed to do. Uh, as long as he continues to do that and we start seeing progress, including potentially going back to what was once normal, uh, there's a strong possibility that, yeah, a lot of folks are going to vote Democrat. And... Uh, and we're going to see the Republicans, little by little, start falling apart. Now, my biggest thing, and, and you have to understand where I come from, I look at the numbers. I, I look at the, what exactly is happening, what are people saying, and then I look at who's conducting those uh, surveys. And uh, I look to see who's funding those surveys. And when you get a, uh, an organization like Gallup, which is very, very uh, independent, let me tell you, uh, the numbers are significant and they are real. And if the people are saying, we want a third party, that means that the Democrats are probably going to have a better chance of winning than the Republicans in 2022. And it also means that the Democrats may actually gain more power both in Congress and in the Senate as their numbers continue to grow. You see, the Republican Party is going through a civil war and we are looking at the Retrumplicans coming up and really pushing their agenda really hard. And we're starting to see uh, cracks in the support that, that many of these people have. More recently, uh, another survey, another that, that was conducted by uh, the Washington Post showed that the number of Republicans that are jumping ship, that are bailing out of the Republican Party is in the tens of thousands. Now, granted, it's not the millions compared to the 74 million votes that, that voted for Donald Trump, but still, what you're looking at 
is a, uh, a ship that is sinking and people are bailing out. And uh, what we're also going to be looking at, without a doubt, is a significant change in uh, the messages that the Republican Party is going to start putting out. And all we need to do is look at California. All of a sudden, in California, discrimination is a big issue among the Republican Party. Uh, uh, public uh, uh, unions as well as private unions are becoming a bigger issue and crime is now being a bigger focus. In fact, if you look at uh, what is going on in the state of California, they have been pushing hard to release inmates. They've been doing that for two reasons. For one, the federal government sued them for uh, overstacking or, or packing the, uh, the prison system with inmates uh, and creating uh, uh, essentially a, a really bad living conditions for the inmates. The second is the will of taking away the amount of power that the prison systems currently have in the state of California, especially the, uh, the correctional workers. And so as a result, we're seeing a lot of inmates being released and some of them should not have been released. And police departments across the state, as well as sheriff's departments, are demonstrating that the numbers of significant crimes, and we're talking about very violent and, and ugly crimes, are going up because some of these inmates, that's what they did originally. That's why they ended up in prison. And now we're seeing them released. And guess what they're doing? Going right back to exactly what they had been charged with convicted for and that makes absolutely no sense so it's interesting but california is also in the process of recalling its governor the uh, recall efforts have already gained the number of signatures needed to recall the governor governor gavin newsom and uh I, the Democratic Party firmly believes that it's because uh, Gavin uh, Newsom uh, went to a party and didn't follow any of the COVID rules that he's been enforcing on Californians. Yet, when you look at the, the actual reasons why people support this particular recall, it's got nothing to do with that particular event but rather it's got a combination of things, how he has handled the COVID-19 uh, uh, issue, how slow it's, it, it's been to get the vaccines out, uh, the continuous closure of businesses that quite frankly uh, make no sense considering that they've made significant strides to meet the uh, CDC requirements for COVID-19, and, and we're talking about uh, uh, restaurants and hairdressers, uh, barbershops, uh, 
And many of these people, as a result, have been shut down again. Service workers are unemployed in huge numbers. And these individuals go out and apply for unemployment assistance. And the Employment Development Department, which issues the unemployment checks, is in total disarray. Not only are they backlogged by well over a million claims, but uh, there's considerable amount of fraud that has taken place. And we're not talking about a couple of million dollars. We're talking about $11 billion in fraud claims. So, and guess who appoints the director and has to be responsible for the EDD? And that is Governor Gavin Newsom. So not only do we have a, an increase in crime throughout the state of California, but we also have uh, fraud within the state agencies that are responsible for helping individuals that are being impacted by COVID-19. And by the way, it also includes fraudulent claims uh, that were uh, uh, submitted unemployment claims that were submitted by prison inmates so there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that are that are toying around in people's minds and they're asking look i never got a check from my unemployment people but yet here are all these inmates receiving millions of dollars in fraudulent claims and yet i can't get my $800 so I can pay my rent, so I can put food on the table. So all of this is starting to look really bad on Gavin Newsom. He's going to have to come out with a very strong campaign to demonstrate that he shouldn't be thrown out of office. Now, there are some Democrats who are saying, well, since Gavin may be recalled we should perhaps identify one or two candidates to run during the recall election. Uh, that's in the event that Gavin Newsom loses, because otherwise Gavin Newsom will be running against two, perhaps three Republican candidates. And if the majority of the people are as frustrated as the individuals who went out and obtained all these signatures we are probably going to see a Republican governor take over the reins in the state of California. Now, that doesn't mean a darn thing for anyone. Let me tell you why. The Assembly in the Senate in the state of California is run by a supermajority Democrats. That means that Republican numbers are so small in both houses that it's going to be almost impossible to pass any kind of legislation that could possibly make a the state lean more Republican. And at the same time, by having a Republican governor, you're looking at a supermajority Democrat passing all these bills and them not getting signed. So we're going to create a significant stalemate. 
how long will a stalemate last? Well, the last time the state of California recalled a governor, that was in uh, 1992, and uh, it was Governor Gray Davis. The guy that came in and won that election, recall election, was uh, actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, he came in totally green, no idea of how government operates, and started to try to do things, started to try to operate, started to try to make things happen. But what ended up happening is that his wife, at that time, Maria Shriver, was working in the background. And in fact, many of us know that it was, without a doubt, Maria Shriver, who was making a difference for Arnold Schwarzenegger because she's the one that was negotiating with the Democrats in passing key pieces of legislation. And I know many people go, well, but the guy was Republican. Here's the other thing. He wasn't an extremist. He wasn't a super conservative. He's a moderate. The guy understands the importance of working with uh, different communities, helping communities out, and also he understands business. And so to be in business and to maintain the highest rating of uh, economic development that any state has in the United States, he knew that he had to work with countries, uh, foreign countries that he needed to have individuals representative of the state of California. And so he appointed many Latinos. He appointed more Latinos than Gray Davis did. In fact, he appointed more Latinos than Jerry Brown, who followed Arnold Schwarzenegger, ever did. So we saw a lot of effort in supporting and and growing Latino economic development in the state of California. Uh, businesses grew. The ag industry grew. During uh, Schwarzenegger's period as governor, the largest number of, of uh, berry growers grew that are Latino. So we saw a lot of positive things come up with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Will that happen with the candidates that are running for uh, governor during this recall? Probably not, considering that uh, so far the two candidates who have thrown their hat into uh, uh, running for office are extremely conservative and almost uh, reminiscent of Donald Trump. So California is going to face some uh, important issues. Our nation is going to be facing some important issues. But on a national level, I can tell you, uh, go Joe Biden. You are doing things that uh, are very significant, and uh, they're very positive, and we're getting back on our feet. Something many of us know that Donald Trump would have never been able to do because during Donald Trump's entire administration, it was not about the world, it was not about America, it was about Donald Trump. And with Joe Biden, it is about America. 
And it is about our position in the world. And since Latinos make up, you know, uh, one-fifth of the entire nation's population, that means that little by little we're assuming responsibility for different areas. And as a result, we need to get involved in every aspect of what makes this country great. And that includes voting. That includes starting and growing a business. That includes investing in the stock market. That includes getting an, a very successful education. That includes getting into sports, professional sports. I mean, it includes putting our finger in every single thing that makes America great. And we have to start doing it now. We can't wait. Our numbers are growing significantly and very fast. And as a result, we need to push our children to go out, get themselves an education, get themselves in a situation, in a position of authority. We need to encourage them to run for public office. We need to do many, many critical things to ensure the success of the United States of America because guess what? They're going to be looking at us, Latinos, to make America great again. So we're at it. Why don't we take a look at uh, at this whole movement of uh, cancel cancel culture. Cancel culture. It's a difficult com combination of words to say, but it's important for us to bring this up because what is happening is that the heritage that many Latinos have, share, uh, is also being challenged. You see, most Latinos in the United States are mestizos. We're a combination of European and indigenous bloods. And as a result, it's very difficult for us to turn around and say, oh, by the way, the uh, the uh, Spaniards, the Italians, uh, the French uh, that came and whose statues we erected to recognize their contributions in settling this country uh, are now being challenged because you know, there's this belief that we shouldn't put them up there because it involved them coming in and dominating this land. Yes, killing indigenous people and enslaving individuals. Uh, we cannot ignore that. And let me tell you why. All you need to do is look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you indigenous looking? And if so, what percent of indigenous blood do you have? And granted, if you are 100% indigenous, you have every right to challenge the, uh, the placement of statues, of, of anything that recognizes the stripping of the land from the indigenous people. And... But if you look at yourself and you look more European than you do indigenous, I'm going to share with you something 
very powerful that's critical. You need to look at recognizing the indigenous side of things, okay? So rather than us going out and stripping down and getting rid of statues and monuments and anything that has to do with our European heritage, we should be trying to figure out how to put both sides of the story out there. So where we have a statue of, of uh, uh, Juniper Serra, for example, who is the priest, Spanish priest, who uh, uh, essentially discovered, if you will, the state of California, we should also put statues and monuments up there recognizing the many tribes that lived here for thousands of years and and they managed to survive and you know it 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 makes it it it's a very difficult discussion because it makes people angry but it makes people angry on both sides let me give you a, the best example in the state of uh, New Mexico, Don Diego de Vargas was recognized as one of the conquerors, one of the settlers, early settlers of the state of New Mexico. His statue was removed for safekeeping because there was a big push by indigenous groups and cancel, cancel culture groups who felt that uh, his uh, statue needed to be removed because it reminded them of something very negative in the history of New Mexico. However, when you look at the population of New Mexico, there's a lot of people there with strong Spanish blood who came, whose parents, grandparents, great-grandparents came from Spain. And yes, they settled in New Mexico. And yes, they wanted to recognize the individuals that made that effort. So they take this statue, they remove it, and they put it in somebody's backyard for safekeeping. Well, individuals who go to the state of New Mexico, who want to know more about the history, all of a sudden find out that there is a, uh, an empty space in that history. In other words, imagine, if you will, recording your history with a video camera and then all of a sudden deciding that you didn't like, you know, Aunt Anita and you didn't like your aunt because she was mean to you or whatever. So you go in there and you splice all the videos to make sure she is not included in the equation. But yet, her son or her daughter becomes a very famous individual. Now what do you do? And that's what I'm talking about. You can't cancel things. You have to incorporate them into a more realistic setting. Okay? And I'm not saying let's erect statues of... Um, of Robert E. Lee. The guy was a traitor. Anybody who was a traitor of the United States of America absolutely 
their statues should be removed. We shouldn't recognize the Dixie flag. They're a failed effort to take over this country. And yet, especially in the South, we see all these statues erected to uh, so-called heroes of the South. They weren't heroes. They were traitors of the United States of America. Let's not put statues of individuals up Okay, now, if you go into the religious aspect of things, you can also say, well, you know, the Bible says we, we, uh, that there should be no God before, before me. And if, if you believe that, then absolutely we shouldn't have any kind of statue, period. But then we start negating our history, our heritage. And that's not very smart. Because your kids, your grandkids, their kids, and so on, generations upon generations who still haven't been born should know the truth, should know both sides of the story. We had strong individuals who came to this country and made an effort to make a life of themselves, for themselves. And understand that it wasn't easy back then because you still had tribes, uh, Indian tribes, who came out and was trying to murder all these settlers. And so should we erect statues to those individuals? Of course, because those individuals also impacted who you are. And so recognizing whether it's Italian, French, uh, uh, English, uh, uh, etc., whether you recognize those individuals or not will determine how informed your community is about who it is. What are the roots? Okay, take my last name, for example, Perez. Perez is actually Jewish. It's a, it's a Jewish-rooted last name. And when the Jews came along with many of the uh, Spaniards to conquer the New World, they brought their names as well, just like the Spanish did. If your last name, for example, is Lopez or Garcia, or uh, Garnica, you have strong Spanish roots. If your last name is Neri, you have Italian roots. And again, look at your names, look at your heritage, understand to what extent we want to cancel that culture. And I'm a firm believer that we need to recognize the entire story. One of the reasons why I minored in history was because of my fascination with learning who I was. Where did I fit in this entire spectrum of the development of the United States of America? 
Am I proud of some of the things that Americans did? No, absolutely not. In 10th grade, I read a book, a very strong book, called Bury My Heart in Wounded Knee. I cried reading that book because I felt the shame and the, and the pain that the uh, uh, indigenous people of this country felt as uh, white Americans built up this whole concept of manifest destiny. Manifest destiny, for those of you who are not familiar with, was a strong belief that God had meant for the white man to dominate and conquer and make this land theirs. And as a result, we saw this big push from the east to the west. And again, we can say, oh, you know what? We're going to destroy all everything, all the evidence that, that shows who these people were, Lewis and Clark, etc. My recommendation to you is familiarize yourself with the history. Familiarize yourself with all the parties involved. And before you start trying to cancel a culture, take a look at how you fit in in the mix of things. And if you sincerely still feel that you cannot relate to any one of these groups, then perhaps you came from space. And you can, uh, you can go talk to Marjorie Green. And you can talk about lasers that were built in space by the Jewish community to create fires here in the state of California. Don't adopt the cancel culture mentality. Let's not cancel it. Let's expand it. Let's make it richer. Let people find out everything that there is to know about who we are, how we got here. You know, there are individuals, for example, uh, who have come to the United States from foreign lands, obviously, with the entire intent of loving this country. But yet there are many who are born here who despise who this country is. Well, that doesn't make any sense, now does it? And if you despise this so much, you know what? Go back to where you came from originally and see if you can do the same thing over there. Cancel their culture. And you'll see that it doesn't happen that easily. Here in the United States, politicians are trying to appease this cancel culture movement. As a result, they're allowing for statues to get replaced, for names to be changed. We have to stop this. We have to recognize this is all a part of history of the United States. And to start erasing history makes absolutely, positively no sense at all. And if you want to challenge me on this, I more than welcome it. Send me an email at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. I'd be happy to have an exchange with you to have this discussion with you. This is a very important discussion 
because it matters especially for our children, our children's children, and their children's children. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, one of our sponsors, in fact, our primary sponsor, uh, the Vida de Oro Foundation. It's a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. During this pandemic, the Vida de Oro Foundation has been uh, giving away food, giving away uh, uh, art supplies for kids, and doing as much as it can to be able to make up for the the difficult times that that many families and individuals find themselves in. And there are two individuals that, particular individuals, who were homeless, who approached uh, the Vida de Oro Foundation and asked for assistance. And so what we did is we asked, what kind of background, what are your skill sets that you bring to the table that, so we can help you? And it turns out that they're both extremely brilliant in repairing musical equipment. One of the things that the Vida de Oro Foundation does is uh, provide those uh, art tools that are essential for beginning artists, and that includes musical equipment. So as a result, uh, the Vida de Oro Foundation has helped these two individuals launch uh, a, a musical repair shop. And now that they've done that, the uh, individuals little by little are uh, receiving donations of musical equipment and they are uh, repairing them and then turning around and selling them, not for a major profit, but just enough to offset the bills that, uh, that they're incurring because we still have to pay for, they still have to pay for electricity, they have to pay for uh, insurance, they have to pay for a number of things. Uh, the good thing about it is they're no longer living out of their, out on the street uh, they're not sleeping in the car anymore. Uh, they are actually functioning and they have temporary quarters. And that should be every individual's right to do during this pandemic. Let's help each other out. Let's figure out ways that we can strengthen each other rather than bringing down each other. And we need to look at individuals like these two and see that they have potential as well. Now, they were, they were both laid off because they were both in uh, the service industry. And individuals in the service industry got hit the hardest during this pandemic because restaurants shut down. And again, these folks are looking for ways to make things happen. We helped them out. The Vida de Oro Foundation helped them out. And now it looks like they're going to become a very prosperous effort. However, my point is this. If you have a musical instrument or some kind of musical instrument laying around, whether it's broken or not, and it's something that you absolutely positively are no longer ever going to use, 
we're asking you to donate it to the Vida de Oro Foundation. You can contact the Vida de Oro Foundation at vida at vidadeoro.com. That's vida at vidadeoro.com. You can learn more about the Vida de Oro Foundation by visiting their website at vidadeoro.org. That's vidadeoro.org. Learn more about them. And uh, let me tell you, folks, if you make that donation, the Vida de Oro Foundation will be sure to give you a receipt so you can claim it on your taxes. And here's the other wonderful thing. It's going to make a child or an individual extremely happy when we're able to turn around, provide that musical instrument to them to either learn or expand their musical studies, their musical desire, their their ability to reach. During the pandemic, we do want to address depression. And depression in our community uh, can be relieved by providing individuals some kind of distraction. Music is known to provide that kind of distraction, that kind of ease, that kind of uh, potential for for resolution to their their personal problems. So, uh, if you get a chance, send an email to vida at vidadeoro.com. Let them know you have a musical instrument and ask them how can you get that musical instrument to them. I do know that uh, the organization is working on uh, obtaining a new facility where the musical equipment can either be dropped off or mailed to. And again, uh, this would be a tax write-off since the Vida de Oro Foundation is, in fact, a 501c3. And by the way, the Vida de Oro Foundation is also planning to bring back its annual Sacramento Taco Festival. The Taco Festival is, in fact, the largest fundraising event for the organization. Uh, It attracts uh, thousands and thousands of people. It's a paid event. Uh, And uh, right now there are plans to have this event on October the 3rd. That's this fall. And uh, if you're making plans to come to Sacramento, uh, my recommendation is come around that time. The weather's beautiful. Things are, um, things are not going to be as pricey. And more importantly, it's a, it's a day of fun, activities and events that you don't want to miss. Uh, in past years, the Taco Festival has attracted individuals from throughout the U.S., Ohio, New York, Maine, Washington, Florida. And uh, you're definitely invited to uh, come on out and enjoy the Sacramento Taco Festival. That's October 3rd. And again, the beneficiary is the Vida de Oro Foundation. And there's other activities the Vida de Oro Foundation is currently developing and uh, we will be happy to share that information with you as we go along. And speaking about the arts, uh, actor-comedian Cheech Marin has 
officially received funding for his Chicano Museum. The Chicano Museum is going to be uh, located in Riverside, California. He has perhaps the largest collection of Chicano art throughout the United States. And uh, it's very, very impressive what he's uh, gained. Uh, the state of California has uh, awarded him funding to be able to get this uh, uh, museum off the ground. In addition to that, we have uh, a lot of private donors who are uh, providing the funding to be able to build this unique and one-of-a-kind museum. And uh, there are uh, there's a strong effort to try to get this museum fully built and operating by 2022, but there is no specific uh, date yet that's been set on when exactly it's going to happen. But uh, if you want to learn more about uh, the museum, check it out, Chicano Museum and uh, uh, Cheech Marin. You can Google both and you'll see tons and tons of information on the museum. So very excited for actor, comedian, Cheech Marin. So on to some uh, COVID news. As many of you are aware, the Latino community remains the most impacted by COVID-19. Uh, the uh, University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, uh, has conducted a survey and the and the assessment quite frankly is extremely disturbing it was uh, produced by uh, dr david hayes bautista who on a personal level i've known for for a couple of decades and his data has always just amazed me uh he's the one that predicted that uh, by this time this year we would be uh having a Latino turned the age of 18 every 30 seconds, and that is exactly what has happened, is a Latino in the U.S. turns 18 years of age every 30 seconds. And so that's a lot of Latinos turning 18. And again, talk about political power. We are on the verge of some significant political power attainment, and that's that's pretty exciting. But Getting back to his uh, COVID study, the reason Latinos are the most impacted is because we have the largest number of family members in the U.S., where the average family in the U.S. is only three. Uh, Latinos uh, range in the numbers of five to seven, where... Uh, there are one or sometimes only two money makers in the average family in the U.S. Among Latinos, there are four to five. So as a result, the exposure to COVID-19 is a lot higher. And when we have huge family get-togethers, the exposure becomes even worse. My immediate family, for example, my immediate family, right now numbers very close to 80. So when we have a family get-together, we have 80 people 
in the room, the odds of getting COVID-19 is extremely high. Since uh, most of my family members are involved in the medical field, we're all very much aware of this. As a result, we uh, uh, avoid the large family get-togethers. Instead, we come together on Zoom or Google Meet. Uh, we, uh, we do the social distancing. We wear our masks. We do the hand washing. And we do those things that are essential to avoid uh, getting or spreading COVID-19. Some of us have already been vaccinated, and we encourage any of you who have not been vaccinated to get a vaccination. And by the way, one of the things that I learned is my personal physician was my biggest advocate to get my vaccine. And if you have a personal physician and you're trying to get your vaccine, talk to them. Have them advocate for you. So like that, you can try to get into a line so you can get the vaccine early. But the data that uh, Dr. David Hayes Bautista put out is, is very important to understand the behavior of COVID-19 in our families. In Los Angeles, in Houston, the largest number of people who have died as a result of COVID-19 are Latinos. And when you look at the disproportionate impacts, they're, they're just unbelievable. Where the population in some communities is 40% Latino, you look at their death numbers based on COVID-19 and they're close to 60%. And that tells us that we are, uh, unfortunately, the, the, most be, the most being impacted. And I'm, I'm not even talking about uh, small businesses that are being impacted. You know, I've, and I'm sure some of you share this, but I've had uh, several friends who contracted COVID-19 that are small business owners. Who passed away and unfortunately as a result their business closed which means the family is trying to figure out ways to make ends meet and we don't want to be put in that kind of a situation and the data that Dr. David Hayes Bautista and by the way you can find this uh, just by googling Dr. David Hayes Bautista and it's spelled exactly the way I, I mentioned it Dr. David Hayes Bautista. And uh, you look at uh, the data and it's, it's pretty stark and, it, and it's very unsettling. But it tells us that we need to do something. And, and the biggest thing that we need to do is we need to address how we handle ourselves. How do we tackle this? And it provides enough data for us to uh, uh, come up with strategies for our own families to protect them from COVID-19. Now, granted, you know, some family members are going to go out, they're going to party, and the moment they start to party, they, they remove their masks, they're laughing, they're having a grand old time. Then one or two days later, 
they find themselves in the hospital because they uh, ended up contracting COVID-19. We have to pay attention to these things, folks. We have to explain to family members who love to party that they have to really protect themselves because COVID-19 is not something to play with. I mean, imagine thinking you're playing Russian roulette and the whole time you've got a gun with a bullet in every single chamber. That's not Russian roulette, that's suicide. And that's pretty much what playing around with COVID-19 is. It is suicide. Pay attention to it. Protect your kids. Protect your family. Protect your elders. You know, uh, I've seen people crying because their parents died. And they just didn't die, you know, one year one and one year the other. They died within a few days from each other because they both contracted COVID-19. The Los Angeles Times has numerous and frustrating stories about how Latinos are being ravaged by this horrible, horrible disease. COVID-19 is nothing to play with people. So if you can, avoid large crowds. If you can, wear a mask. In fact, don't be afraid to wear a mask. Some people go, oh, but it's so uncool. It's so unmanly. Give me a break. Wear the mask. Protect yourself. Protect others. I mean, if you really think that a mask is is not very manly, but it is manly to stand in front of a moving car, uh, guess who wins? The disease, and in the case of standing in front of a car, the car. We are made of bags of water. The bags of water can be infected. And COVID-19 impacts and affects us terribly. I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of Coast to Coast Latino. I hope I didn't make too many of you a little upset, but uh, hey, you know what? It's okay. Again, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you want to address something with me, send me an email, latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. I want to thank you for you taking time to listen to this podcast. We will come back to you on Friday with a brand new podcast where we'll be talking not only about the economics of Latinos in the U.S., but the importance of fully understanding education, economics, and political empowerment. And if you want to keep up with news about Latinos across the U.S., we encourage you to go to Coast to Coast Latino on Facebook. We update it on a daily basis with articles, information, announcements. Uh, we have some exciting things coming up in the very near future for, for Coast to Coast Latino. We want you to stay tuned. And until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, social distancing, avoid large crowds. 
You take care. Talk to you Friday.